I'm Silas Farley, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to Hear the Dance. In this episode, we will explore one of the most extraordinary works in the New York City Ballet repertory, George Balanchine's Liebeslieder Waltzer. Balanchine choreographed this ballet in 1960. For his score, he chose two sets of songs by Johannes Brahms, Liebeslieder Waltzer, Love Song Waltzes, Opus 52, and Neue Liebeslieder Waltzer, New Love Song Waltzes, Opus 65. Brahms wrote these pieces for piano duet, two pianists seated at a single piano, and voice parts for soprano, alto, tenor, and baritone. Each waltz is set to a poetic text. All are by Georg Friedrich Daumer, except for the very last waltz, which is set to a poem by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. These poems concern the joys and sorrows of love. In the ballet Liebeslieder Walzer, Balanchine's seemingly endless choreographic invention is on full display. The work is over 50 minutes long, and every single section is a waltz. It is a feast of revelatory dancing for four couples. Originally, Violet Verdi with Nicholas, Nikki Magalanis, Jelana with Conrad Ludlow, Diana Adams with Bill Carter, and Melissa Hayden with Jonathan Watts. The first section of the ballet is set to the Liebeslieder Walzer Opus 52 and takes place in a gilded salon with the pianists and singers on stage. The men are in elegant evening dress and the women wear satin gowns and heeled shoes. The choreography is more human, a kind of balletic ballroom dancing. The curtain is closed for a brief pause and then rises again. The second section of the ballet is set to the Neue Liebeslieder Walzer, Opus 65, and takes place in a more atmospheric version of the same salon. When the women return for this second half of the ballet, they wear flowing tulle skirts and point shoes. The choreography is an extension and expansion of the waltz into a more ethereal realm. For the final waltz, set to the Goethe poem, the cast comes full circle. The dancers return to the stage, with the women once again wearing their gowns and heels. This time they come merely to listen to the music from the onstage pianists and singers, summing up the whole ballet. The ballet's costumes are by Barbara Karinska, Balanchine's longtime collaborator. The original set designs were by David Hayes and were redesigned for the ballet's 1984 revival production by David Mitchell. Mitchell based his design on a room that Balanchine had long admired and had wanted to use as inspiration for new Liebeslieder Walzer scenery, the mirrored salon of the Amalienberg Hunting Lodge on the grounds of the Nymphenburg Palace near Munich. It is a lavish setting for this exquisite ballet. To illuminate Liebeslieder Walzer, I recently sat down with the husband and wife team of Maria Caligari and Bart Cook. Both are former City Ballet principal dancers who performed this ballet, Bart in the role originally made for Jonathan Watts, and Maria in the role originally made for Diana Adams. Bart and Maria are longtime repetitors for the Balanchine Trust. In this capacity, they have mounted Balanchine's ballets for companies around the world, including their 2022 staging of Liebeslieder Walzer for the Vienna State Opera Ballet. We had a wide-ranging conversation anchored in their vast experience with this ballet, including the details Balanchine insisted upon in the phrasing and hand-holding position when waltzing, the artistic and technical maturity required of the dancers to fulfill this ballet's choreographic design, 
and the contributions to Liebesleader Walzer by former city ballet dancers like Patricia McBride, Frank Oman, Violet Verdi, Suzanne Farrell, Peter Martins, Sarah, Sally, Leland, and Karen von Araldingen, the German ballerina to whom Balanchine gave the rights to Liebesleader Walzer in his will. Let's listen in. Maria Caligari, Bart Cook, welcome back to the Hear the Dance podcast. It is such a joy to be with you both. And to be here. Very happy for to us. be here. Thank We're, you. It's an honor. You all gave us so much insight into glass pieces, and now I'm just thrilled to hear your perspective on Liebesleader Walzer, which you both danced yes. and which mm-hmm. you have both now staged. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of different facets of the ballet that you can really articulate for us. Just beginning with when did you first see this ballet and what were your initial impressions of it when you saw it? I can start with that. (laughs) I don't think I saw Liebes Leader till I moved to New York. There was such an unfolding repertory at that time. I mean, the program was set up so that there were certain ballets repeating, and I don't even think Liebes Leader was on that first trip. Hmm. Didn't even see it till I was in the company. And I remember being totally blown away. And every time it went on a program, no matter what ballet was dancing, I would either warm up before or not warm up and sit in the wing watching this incredible thing, which was so different than the other ballets. And that was part of my awakening is each Balanchine piece has a creative spark that is its own. Mm. Coming from... Of course, him, Mm -hmm. but Brahms. I think he had a wonderful, wonderful connection to Brahms. And uh, I think he noticed me sitting in the wings all the time rather than warming up. (laughs) (laughs) He thought, maybe Bart really likes this ballet. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that he did, actually, because we spoke about it once. And uh, What was that conversation? Well, it was more one-sided than not. Maybe he told me I was in the way. (laughs) You know, stand back, don't block the I, wings. I went to stand up, and he he was like, no, but back off, you know, a little bit. It was nice, yeah. but he definitely saw me watching there all the time, and it was one of the first pieces I went into. Ah, hmm. uh, why did I bring up Brahms? Because the first principal role I was called to was to partner Patty McBride in Brahms Schoenberg Quartet. Hmm. That amazing second yeah, movement. Yeah, that Daddy, amazing, Daddy, amazing Daddy, second Daddy. movement. Then Frank Oman retired, and luckily I was called, and it was amazing, just amazing to be put into it. Hmm. But I remember sitting there watching that it was, uh, I don't know, there had been a lot of Balanchine lore fed into the situation hmm. of me wanting to find New York City Ballet, and I knew that his favorite dancer was Fred Astaire. And so here are the girls in flat shoes and Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire, but 10 steps above on the classical ballroom dancing level. And then when they disappear and come back in their point shoes on a whole nother level, it was just magic. Wow. Total magic. And Maria, what yes. was what were yes. your thoughts when you first uh, saw Liebesleader well, Walzer? I was just thinking that what Bart was saying was about 1972. And I got in the company 74, Mm -hmm. and I never saw it because it stopped being danced. Mm -hmm. And I only saw it when we revived it after Balanchine died, and it was 1984. Mm -hmm. I had never seen any of it before that, you know. So 
you know, I danced, I was the second cast of Suzanne's part. Mm -hmm. And um, we just, you know, we all were just trying to learn and absorb it and beautiful costumes. And yeah, yeah it was awesome then. But that was the first time I saw it. Wow. You know, I think it was out of the repertory for a while. Mm -hmm. And gosh, a lot of people had said, oh, the audience doesn't like Libus Leader. They get up and leave yes. when the curtain comes yes. down. And uh, <laughs> scheduling people. Oh, mm -hmm. do we have to put Libus Leader in again? And I'm like, you've got to be crazy. It's the best. It's amazing. And this was before uh, Vienna Waltzes, for sure, too. Yeah. So it was... It was the waltz ballad. Yeah, after Vienna Waltzes came out, Mr. B would say, oh, no, we don't need Liebeslieder in the season if we're doing Vienna Waltzes. Mm. Or he would say, we don't need piano concerto number two, we're doing diamonds. The mm. You know, with the scheduling situation. Hmm. We would hear through the grapevine yeah. when the season came out. So I was luckily in it, in it before it had this rest mm -hmm. period. Mm, but that's so interesting for the listeners, too, that there are certain family relationships between different ballets, that the Indeed. Vienna Waltzes yes. is related to Liebeslieder in a way, yes. and related to Brahm Schoenberg in yes. a way. So there's like, they're cousins or siblings of each other in the rep, in the same way that maybe like Fortis, Four Temperaments, and maybe Episodes, or yep. like brother and sister, yep. you know? That's interesting. I was really pegged as the black and white person, but I enjoyed thoroughly every other role that I got to do, mm. and this certainly reminded me of the salon, the singing, the mm. fact that the last part, the dancers are listening to Brahms as the audience. Mm. It's total magic. Mm. Yeah. What were your thoughts or memories from the dancers you saw perform it before you danced it when you were sitting there in the wings watching Bart? <laughs> Violette was still dancing, and I was totally charmed with her. Mm. And I believe Nikki was doing it with her still. Wow. When I came, Nikki was still doing the cage. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so I'm dating myself, but Violette was uh, totally incredible. Nice. And uh, I remember her the most. And, of course, Patricia McBride was mm. sort of my favorite. <laughs> In everything she danced, she could do no wrong. And Me when too. I was called <laughs> to dance with her, mm -hmm. uh, our I, I really could hardly partner her because I, I don't know I guess I had natural partnering skills but but you may be a little there I'm touching this ballerina yeah. <laughs> whoa and Conrad was transitioning I think he had an injury in his mm -hmm. back he was teaching the potato class at the school mm. so he kind of knew of me because when I was there he was teaching and mm -hmm. it was his roles Brahms and Liebeslieder but not the role in Liebeslieder I did, but yeah. anyway. That is so cool. How did you first become part of the ballet? Well, we did the revival, mm -hmm. and we were cast. Bart was in the first cast, I, I think. Well, I was because yeah. I had done it before yeah. the, what we yeah. call the revival. Yeah. They, they made new scenery and sets and right. spent a fortune on it. And I remember there was a parquet floor painted it was exquisite yeah. mm. and it covered the whole floor and it, it went in this new new set i danced in the old set which was mm. much more abstract i don't know if you've seen a film mm -hmm, of the mm -hmm, old mm -hmm. set and the the doors were far less literal and they were kind of floating so the transition between the the salon and the other world the was higher higher vibratory world was was yeah <coughs> and the, it was all done with light so at any rate when the Mm. The revival came. Mm. 
there was a lot of money invested. Uh, Mr. B was gone, and this parquet floor was exquisite. And they put it down, and everybody's like, well, wow, we, we'll scuff it. It was so slippery, we all needed ice skates. It didn't last one rehearsal. Oh, no. It didn't last one rehearsal. So it was beautiful, but maybe not functional. They should functional. have hung it on the wall. It was yeah. totally non-functional. I don't know what happened to it. but And we had to learn how to open the doors differently. And uh, da, da, da. Why was it brought back? Did you know why it was brought back at that I, particular point I, I after Balanchine's passing? Science. I'm glad it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know that Balanchine liked it very I, much. I think we have to remember that he gave it to Karin. That's right. And so... And she staged it. And then she, when you all she and Sarah Leland staged it for us, and we all learned it from them. Mm. So there might might have been some kind of connection. There. And mm-hmm. rightfully so. Mm-hmm. I think of Karen whenever I think of Libis Leader. She was just glorious in it. And it, I know so. that she probably didn't do that role till third cast down mm. the way. Mm. But she loved it. Mm. She used to say to me, Libis Leader is my swan lake. <laughs> Good wow. One. <laughs> when there she was, she was German, and it's right? Goethe and Daumer poems. So it's like it's her language as right. this German ballerina exactly. to and Brahms. No, and when she toured and she teaching teach it, it, she would like to give them, you know, the words in so English. They so they know the poetry. They, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. They're not literal translations, but mm-hmm. they set, certainly mm-hmm. set the mood. And um, yes. Dancing Liebesleader gives a full mm-hmm. new dimension to mm-hmm. every person that gets to be in it. Mm-hmm. it it's a whole other dimension of expression. It's very adult, very elegant and mature. You know, being, I guess I was just promoted in 83, and it was difficult. I mean, there's no two ways about it. It's long, the dances are intricate, and the women switch from the waltz shoes with the heel, and we have two minutes to change and into the point shoes in a different costume. Mm. So it took a while, I think, for me to get to get used to it and comfortable. And then the incredible timing, which is so beautiful between mm. the dances in the first movement. And it's just it's so elegant important, and beautiful. The transitions, mm. the transitions, transitions between the dances mm-hmm. and the... It's mm-hmm. actually part of the choreography, who mm. goes to which chair and yes. mm-hmm. how they seat and the, where the attention focuses to the next dance. Because it appears effortless, but it's it very does. much mapped out. I believe it is. Yeah. I believe it needs to be. It needs to be. Wow. Can you walk us through the ballet's overall setting and structure? You are introduced to this beautiful salon. Suddenly the curtain goes up and you're in this salon, and the Singers are as much part of the atmosphere uh, as the dancers. It's all four couples moving in this beautiful, intricate pattern. Mm -hmm. And you immediately feel where you're supposed to be. Mm. And then it breaks into two parikat, two couples each. And Mm -hmm. the uh, characters of the couples, Mm -hmm. the ideas kind of are presented. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the different songs are also kind of divided for the cast, Mm. the types of songs. uh, One of them gets the female solo and one of them gets the tenor. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when the four sing together again, it's another couple. And so there's some kind of a mapping out, and especially in the second part. Mm. You get to see the differences in the couples. I wouldn't go so far as to say they're about love relationships, but they definitely are. And... Like in everything Balanchine created, 
the original dancers are the inspiration for him, along with the idea and the music. And you can certainly see the movement that Jelana was supposedly famous for. I loved watching her in that film. the opportunity to work for Jelana one year up in, what was that, Taos? Yeah, yeah in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. She's that New summer Mexico, program in New Mexico. And mm-hmm. She never talked about it much, but you could just watch her teach class, and you could, even the way she moved or what she decided to talk about came through in this character. And we used to call this couple the host and the hostess. Interesting. That, you know, Conrad and Jelana, it's their house. And they've right. welcomed the other three they couples to have this salon the together it's with the they're, music. They're the, the hmm. host and the hostess, mm-hmm. so to speak. I used to think that the dance that I did, or Patty, which was originally Melissa, I we were discussing this last night because I mm. don't see Melissa in it too much, and I know how much Patty is able to color everything she dances. Her beauty. <laughs> her, her, her natural inclination and input to whatever is put in front of her is palpable always. Mm. And her stamp goes on it, and it's always appropriate. Mm. She's very intuitive. And um, at any rate, these dances that I got to dance with her, <laughs> wow. So that was great. So there's that introduction, all the four couples are mm-hmm. there, Perhaps one of the couples maybe represents a host and hostess at this evening. I thought Patty was the youngest person, and she actually was. There you go. The new ballerina. (laughs) The new ballerina. There you go. So you have the different stages of the relationships. Throughout the ballet, she has the last dance in the whole piece, which is is a summation of all. For sure. It's incredible. It is Somehow. incredible. <laughs> and it, she used to say, now we're doing our corps de ballet part, you know, in the Potosis or... When the, the different groups come we, back together. Yeah. And, and, and this isn't much. You just have to carry me in a figure eight twice. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Nonchalant. Anyway, it was oh, a joy yeah. always to dance with her. And, of course, she was my partner in the cage for a long time, too. Totally different. A different vibe, <laughs> well, completely. completely. But the Brahms carry through from Schoenberg Quartet to this was yeah. actually revelatory to me. Well, and that there is that beautiful contrast of the two sections that you do have that whole first section with all the different couples in the heeled shoes and the weightier costumes mm-hmm. for the women, mm-hmm. and it's to the first set of Brahms's Liebeslieder yeah. waltzes, the Opus Fifty Two. And then the curtain comes down. And then as you've described, curtains comes back up. You've had your two minutes to change. And the, now two the ladies minutes. are in point shoes in a different costume Ta-da. with chiffon flowing. Yeah. And then back tool. again at the end. Right. right. And then back to, and we, then for the very, for the last, very last song last to song. come back in yeah. the heeled shoes. And there's a wonderful quote Balanchine oh, says cool. in contrasting the first half, Opus 52, and then the second half yeah. set to the Opus 65 waltzes. And he says, mm-hmm. in the first act, it is the real people who are dancing. Yes, in the mm-hmm. second act, it is their souls. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful. And, it does and I think the songs are kind it of does. this way, too. Mm, like like I, a little I, bit grounded and then a little yep, bit yep. ethereal. And the subject matter in the songs are... Symbolically so. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't use the words too much, but there are, 
I mean, there's this one section at the very end of the first movement that's about birds in the trees. Mm. And Patty always said, oh, now it's time for birds. And we would stand up. <laughs> Just to add in, I know this is later, but in Europe, when we did in Vienna, and they also did it in Hamburg when we were staging Brahms, mm -hmm. and it was John Neumeyer who said, can we please leave the curtain up? in between the movements. I think, I, as I remember it, he might have been concerned that his audience, which he knew so well, they would think it was over. And so it stayed up, and the singers left, and of course the dancers are changing, mm -hmm. and it was just a lovely kind of quiet moment, and people mm. knew to be quiet and stay. There was a very, very lovely, lovely light cue, really which lovely. I thought was delightful because mm. it, it became dim. Mm -hmm. Very slowly. It was like a Jerome Robbins cue. Yeah. And the stars in the drop came up. Mm. And the audience would be put into the mood of this second movement. Mm -hmm. And when it reached the fullness of the cue, mm -hmm. everybody very reverently oh, filed beautiful. on and took the pose. And then the conductor began. And mm -hmm. I, I think That's it's a, a very good... And it, see, and then, part of the uh, Liebesleader problem was the audience did think it was over. After the first half. Yeah. When the curtain came in. It makes uh, sense. People would leave. Thank yeah, God for John yeah. Niemeyer because it yeah. really did it's, help. And then they adopted this idea in Vienna. Well, Martin Schlaffer yeah. also wanted it like that. He said, can we do it? Yeah. You know? And so they did it. That's and beautiful. it's rather lovely. Consulted the trust. And yeah. And, yeah, it's, and it's great for the nice audience idea. to just stay in the mood of the piece as yeah. the dancers make mm -hmm. that transition. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Another dynamic I'd love to hear you both speak to is what is the sensation of being on the stage with the singers and the two pianists sitting at the one piano with you? What does that feel like oh, on stage? It is, is a wonderful feeling because it really inspires you. Mm. I mean, it just, you're so close to it, it just kind of floods you mm. with this energy, mm. you know, and you could express more, and it's a great joy, I, if I can use that word, sure. um, to, to do that. And then to be with your you know, your co-workers, your colleagues in mm. this, you know, you would watch them mm -hmm. and they watch you and it's, you know, it's it's a whole another dynamic than mm. just coming out and performing for the audience. Yeah. You know, you're dancing together as well. Mm. And, yeah. I would express it as being mm. very pulled up. <laughs> First of all, just to put on a tuxedo does a great deal. Sure. And for women to be in a full-length satin dress with these oh. beautiful, gorgeous Karinska costumes. Oh, and They're mm. so beautiful. Everyone looking so oh. elegant. And then this music uh, and the, the scenery, you're, you're transported. So it can't help but pull you to your mm -hmm. height. Mm -hmm. Like Maria said, you're not really dancing for the others, but you're, you're expressing this hidden level of the relationship, and then you go back to being polite, sitting in the chair, mm -hmm. and certain of the dances, you, you would also want to act like you're applauding for the music, but you don't do it with your hands. It's mm -hmm. just with the 
the attention of watching. Appreciating. And then that some of the dances were so private that I wouldn't watch. Mm. Or, you know, you'd, you'd watch peripherally. So you were letting that couple or that dancer, group of dancers, just have their own As if they're moment. having a secret that we don't see. Mm. Like maybe they've gone up to a different room in the house and they're having a <laughs> private conversation. That and there's the one, the yeah. one very Allegro dance which was a little bit of a spat, mm. or or not. Uh, yeah, uh, very volatile. And she tries to leave the room and he stops her. Mm. I mean, it, each each of them have their and the pas de trois is so beautiful. The interactions between the couples and yeah. the, the interactions yeah. between the men. Oh, well, this yeah. is my wife, but you're welcome to... <laughs> to dance together. And, and the now, two gentlemen with the one uh, lady. Yeah, it's, it's really lovely. That's a great that section. Up, I'm so sorry. You but see. that brings up... You know, the manners that are within ballet that Indeed. we're taught, Indeed. you know, that, that came from Louis XIV and the whole thing like that. And this is preserving all of that. Mm. You know, the we hand, always... the man gives the hand, the woman takes the hand, which you know is so important to Mr. Balanchine. Yeah, it's and, lovely. And how you the waltz so position. Yeah. The waltz position, when I oh, learned gosh. to waltz, the man's hand was this way, but you know no, those you, stories? you actually You've hold heard... her hand above. Yeah. You've heard the stories of Mr. B. Wright and waltzing, him saying, you have no, you Americans... have, you know, he's doing Vienna waltzes, you have no idea. You don't know. Americans you don't know don't how, know to, how, do how to do it. <laughs> he's like, I have to teach you. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I must yeah, teach, teach you, <laughs> you know, because... You can waltz, um papa, um papa, um papa, and that's not it. Right. It's it's a glide, isn't it? And the mm. woman, you know, the woman and the man, you're basically not moving. You know, you're just sort of floating. Mm. And if they don't do that, it's the, lost. The no, it's lost. all it's all lost. And indeed, Silas mm. teaching yeah. it, you can come lost. across dancers because of all sorts of age and experience and, and I think, who can't. Mm. They haven't learned how in their training. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I mean, Balanchine, he was was fighting against Americana, you Mm. know, like... The t- you know, um, American Americans are doing Broadway, and Americans are yeah. bebopping and Which everything. And but also. you know, but he was giving us this great gift from Europe, you know, to you know stay with the man and glide. I think mm. another thing that Karin might have said to me mm. was that uh, Libus Lear, he's done the waltz mm. in every conceivable <laughs> manner. Yeah. It put into this ballet. It's a, like an index of, of every way to do a waltz step or a 3-4. A yeah. It's 50-plus minutes, and every single section is a waltz. Yeah. Endless there permutations of waltzing. It's also a wonderful, like, the, going on with the question you asked, it's a wonderful feeling for the, for the women, for the female, to mm. then be allowed to put the point shoes on hmm. and how expressive the point shoe is then now, you mm-hmm. know, and we're doing dif- more difficult partnering and you get to, you know, really show that. And that, that's a wonderful, wonderful yes, thing. It's, it's all still waltzing. Yeah. Indeed. Mm-hmm. But Especially it when you break up. it down and teach it. But it's like you just gave him even more range of movement vocabulary yeah. by adding the point yes. shoes for the yeah. second half. Yes, yeah. it's so beautiful. That's fantastic. It's amazing. And it's just glorious to watch. Which roles did the two of you perform in the ballet? Just the one for me yeah. with, with the, the McBride 
Hayden person. This was the original Jonathan Watts. Jonathan Watts. Yes. Okay. Is that right? Great. And actually, um, when or, I did get to do this, Patty would good? say, Jonathan used to do like this. So but she was trying to recapture the original, and she definitely allowed me to yeah. influence her movement with the partnering. That last dance is so codependent on uh, where the motion comes from and where mm. it needs to stop and mm. how you can supplement her fall. And a- Anyway, That's so it beautiful. was just wonderful. That was the only role I danced. Yeah, Maria. And, and Maria, oh, which and, part oh, did yes, you dance? Yes, um, I danced Suzanne's part. Mm-hmm. I was the other cast with Adam Luders, uh-huh. as Suzanne was with Sean Lavery, uh-huh. and that was the only role I did. That was also. Diana Adams. And that was that the was original Diana Adams. Adams. Not Bill Evans. So Bill Carter. I mean, it was very nice. I got to watch her as I did in many ballets, and just learn how do you do it? You know, wow. how do you do it? And That's then Karin did that with Peter. Yeah. And Karin, too, of course, was coaching us so much. Yeah. It was mm. wonderful. Mm. Mm-hmm. I believe Sally was the first person to dance Violette's part mm. after mm. Violette retired from us or went to Paris Opera to be or the director. director. Yeah. My God. Gosh. And in your various roles, your, your respective roles in the ballets, what were some of the uniquely challenging and rewarding moments in the choreography both in terms of technique and expression and artistry. Oh, I know. For me, yeah. it was Suzanne's long pas de deux in the first movement. Mm. We call it whisper mm. because she takes a step and he whispers in her ear. And it's called the whisper. And that's a very hard dance to do. wanted to know and what he was slow. saying. it's slow. It's so <laughs> slow. You've got to fill it out. Yeah, and you have to, you know, there's that one part where he kneels and she waltzes behind him and goes into a very slow penche and mm. it's awkward, you know, you have mm. to smooth it out. Mm. So this, is, this happens to be my favorite section of the ballet. I think I like that role. Yes. Very oh, much. I enjoyed watching that role. The whisper one is, I made a note about oh, this. Oh, did you? It is in it's the first It's number 14 and 15 cool. in, the, in the first half. So right. It does. It has a little allegro yeah. at the end. Yeah. 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 And then that's expanded upon. It's hard. In the point shoes into an actual oh, right. uh, full ballet format. <laughs> yeah. You know, pas de deux variation. variation <laughs> Coda, exactly. And that many uh-huh. songs uh, are used. To create that so chunk. I, I, yes. And it was kind of the jewel yes. area. And I know... I was able to have a few classes from Diana Adams yeah. when I first came to the School mm. of American Ballet yeah. before yeah. joining the company. And she was the most elegant, commanding, mm. long, enormous, big, beautiful, moving, uh, and you could just see it 
Mm. I, I mean, I imagine uh, the roles, you know, monumental movements. Yeah, and uh, Agon Parada. Agon Parada, all of that. All of that stuff. And then she actually is the one that brought Suzanne. Right. And right. So well. there's a continuity, and of course she was... That's way cool. That's the so thread interesting. that puts it all together. Yeah, that she was instrumental in Suzanne coming as a student. I and also had a... Suzanne I, inherited her role in the ballet. Mm, yeah. That's yeah. cool. I got to meet uh, Bill Bill Carter, too, on my first and trip to And he was an York. original... He was the yeah, original partner with Diana. for Diana. Mm-hmm. And he was a member of the First Chamber Dance Quartet with Lois Bewley and, oh gosh, two other New York City ballet dancers who left the company and formed this situation and they did some wonderful wonderful concerts and uh, I got to stay in their apartment because uh, we couldn't mm-hmm. afford a hotel <laughs> there you go it's like dancers helping dancers <laughs> that's so much of the development I remember him ballet. talking about the creation of this ballet and that it was uh, mm. really magic to be part of the, the the beginning of it did he share any particular stories oh, from the creation dancing with Diana I mm. think was the most thing that came Mm-hmm. or that I can remember the most. And I was just super impressed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. see and have that memory when I finally saw Liebes Leader. Yeah. That, that, oh, he was, yeah. In that mm-hmm. original group. Yep. Mm-hmm. And with the challenges, Maria, you described, mm-hmm. you know, some of the tricky moments mm-hmm. in the partnering, having mm-hmm. to create fluidity and connectivity between the movements. Were there particular movements in your choreography that you just loved, that felt mm-hmm. glorious, or that the you first, really looked forward to? Yes, the first step when the Diana-Suzanne part comes out in the second movement. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful step they do. Mm-hmm. That that PK arabesque and he promenades her and she falls back and they PK back and around and back and forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's gorgeous. It's actually very fast <sighs> and it mm-hmm. looks like an adagio. Yes, oh, I see. But to do it I and see. regroup and regroup Whoa, your body. That, that's the a beautiful part. The changing of the direction and the reversal of mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. That whole dance. Yeah, that's a beautiful part. Bart, what were some of the moments that you found uniquely challenging or rewarding oh, well, in your choreography? <laughs> the challenging moment is the little male solo in that last dance where he has to run around oh, and, and all of a sudden do assemblées yes. and hasn't done any like, jumping the whole ballet yeah, basically until then. And, and he's going to do grudge and, and, and a pair so silly of dress too. shoes. Two yes. and running and kicking. And, and oh, the frantic end as, as they go out the door, it just really, it's a, it's a surprise. A it's a flurry and a surprise. <laughs> a flurry, I like and that. it's joy. Mm. It's sheer joy.
And you but enjoyed doing that moment. I did. I did. But we were really tired before that began. And it starts, it starts very quietly. And if you're huffing and puffing, I found that hard to get in the right gear for the beginning of that dance. I think Dancer. we just finished the pot of cease, and then we have to come change out gears. and change the atmosphere. And then change the atmosphere again. Mm. I think my favorite thing, though, in the first movement, for sure, was mm -hmm. to take the key from the female dancer, it was Patty, and to, to be able to extend what she was doing. Mm. And uh, mm. just, just really wonderful. Well, that's, that's the glorious part of the, in the first half where she arcs back and she puts one arm up oh, in fifth and then God. you complete the arm. Oh. So two people each contribute one arm totally to make beautiful. one fifth position and, and revolve. <laughs> and all you can think about is not stepping on her, her dress. dress. <laughs> it's like such a magical moment and you're thinking, don't Just trip her. I did, I did once. It's, it, it, you had to scoot. I think when they taught it to me, they said, now here you have to shuffle so you don't step on her dress. Mm. Oh, and this is very it's funny. It's a magical moment. When we said it in uh, uh, Vienna, Vienna uh. I was teaching that way. Here it's very, very funny, so you don't step on her dress. And then when the girls came out in their dresses were mid Calf. Mid calf. Too, too short. The dresses are <laughs> too short. Yeah, it has to be long enough that you could at least possibly step on it. But the designer had made them that way and mm. he had had them reconstructed. Well, and I think that was one of the first places that Karin set Liebeslieder. Yeah, in the and early the, 70s. The set was glorious. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And these were original yeah. costumes from then. And I got used to it, and yeah. it's actually quite beautiful. And they were they worked it out. They worked it out. They worked it out. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's there's another beautiful moment in that pata de that you did with Patty, mm -hmm. where she then makes a whole circuit of waltzes around the stage, and you just run concentric circles around her oh, and kind of trace her was, waistline oh, with her, your fingertips. My very favorite moment, actually. <gasps> it does that so well. Flying <laughs> uh, and sending her nine. spiraling up. And then this beautiful nudge of onward into the void and she reaching towards higher place. I don't know what she's reaching for, but he's like, go for it and I'll follow. It's so beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. We were thinking, it's so beautiful. <laughs> when we were watching it last night, we were thinking, how did Mr. Balanchine come up with one idea after the next? It's just... It's just over and over again a new idea. And then that dance mm -hmm. in the song as well is the human sentimentality. And then there's a, oh, the joy. It, mm -hmm. it happens like back, forth, back, mm -hmm. forth. Mm -hmm. And then it goes back to this, I don't know, the embrace at the end. It's also sad, too. There's sadness. Poignant. It's poignant. It's, mm. you know, the sadness of love in a way, you know? Mm -hmm. There's that, too, to mm -hmm. it. It's just, and it becomes, like, breathtaking, actually, mm. you know? Mm. Well, this is what's beautiful about a dance for any two people, because the space in between mm. is shared. Mm. In whatever way it's shared mm. is what mm. it's about. Mm -hmm. And you can't have two people on the stage without having a situation. Yeah. No matter what. 
I mean, it just happens. But we, we along with the sadness, of course, we should mention mm. why Brahms wrote it. Mm. Because of his love for Clara Schumann that mm. was unrealized. And yeah. there you have that little bit of... That yearning. That little, yeah. Wow. And that theme, of course, comes back again and again and again and again and again in Balanchine's choreography. The some, man reaching for the unattainable man. Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> and some of the words are about the sunrise and how beautiful it is. Mm. And some of them are about the moonlight and, the and what it makes you feel. Mm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just magnificent. It's just Maybe, magnificent. And, yes, we were so lucky that we got both of those qualities, you know, mm-hmm. that, that he gave us to explore. Yeah, the whole range of human yeah. emotion, yes. you know, yes. great joy, great yeah. sorrow, everything yes. in between. Mm-hmm. And that you get a bit of it in this mm-hmm. one ballet. You get a little bit of all of that. Are there other moments that you loved? This will directly connect with also your staging of the ballet. Because, yes, you both danced your one role, but now you have this bigger picture of the whole ballet because you've now taught the whole thing to other mm-hmm. companies in the mm-hmm. case of the Vienna State Opera Ballet. So what are some of the other moments you've either come to appreciate or understand more deeply or love about the other sections now that you've pieced the whole thing mm. together? My favorite moment is the end of the ballet and to try to impress dancers that they have to do nothing but walk and appreciate and unconsciously express who they are and what they're showing and what we've seen without doing it and that they're still performing. It's so important Mm -hmm. who shows up where and when the light comes on and when they sit and and it actually goes with the music as well. the dancers are like, oh no, but it's so important. I believe it. It really is the jewel in the crown. Yeah, and um, of course that particular song is the Goethe, and there's the one a cappella section where they all come in one at a time and the piano stops playing. Mm. That if it's sung correctly and mm-hmm. the dancers are in the right spots and. The attention is mm-hmm. totally focused. The uh, pinnacle of energy is visible mm. and palpable. Mm-hmm. And, of course, some people in the audience, if they're not attuned, will cough and get up and leave early because sure. their car is coming out. But I've also mostly experienced you can hear a pin drop. And it's just mm. sublime. Mm-hmm. Sublime is mm-hmm. the right word. It and just dissipates, it's, and it's almost like... Nobody breathes, nobody does anything until the and curtain then, and then the audience claps. No, the, the moment, <laughs> it's even better. Mm-hmm. It's even better. Mm-hmm. The moment, the moment <laughs> it reaches its peak and the ladies exhale and look at each other and begin to. They show their appreciation. That's so special. And yet we, we saw that expressed through the dancers. Yeah. So it's. It's all tied together. It's lovely. And that the text for that last part, they sing, they say, Now muses enough. You try in vain to portray how misery and happiness alternate in a loving heart. How very, very beautiful. Thank you for reading that. Incredible. I just had a thought, again, Mm -hmm. watching last night when we were looking at it again. You know, it's the challenge is it's one long phrase, the whole ballet. Mm -hmm. And how do you get dancers to feel that inside and do that. Like, we want to see the dancers, but we don't want them to disrupt 
the thread that's going on. And so that's a very fine line for dancers. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't want to, like, see them. We don't want them to show. We want them to be feeling it, like, really inward. So that that we are not disturbed by the, the whole. And when they do that, then we've really... Really so got the something, whole and it was. Is not we, we, by and a, when you a first part, yeah, yes. And when you first teach it, it yeah. they wanted, you know, very busy, very busy. And so how uh, do you get them to listen, a, relax? But what you're touching on is so deep because mm-hmm. it's trying to create continuity through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. used this phrase earlier, but it's like uh, the idea you were saying, Bart, was almost like. The dancers have to have the maturity to be able to keep changing the mood in the whole space and be very, you know, have to have a lot of maturity in their approach. If you don't have it, you will acquire it. And it is about maturity, even though it's pedestrian maturity. Then it's uh, savvy turned into, uh, I guess we use ethereal, Mm -hmm. which is less even. Mm -hmm to become more somehow, Mm -hmm. and it's more connected to the whole. How do you foster that sense Mm -hmm. of connectivity when you go to set it? Mm -hmm. Because the dancers don't necessarily have the whole in their mind. Mm -hmm. Do you give them the video so that they get a bigger picture of it because they didn't necessarily grow up with it in the repertory of their company like a city ballet dancer does? How do you get that? sense of the bigger picture for each dance. Well, the group dances are short and sweet Mm -hmm. and uh, very concise Mm -hmm. and very integral one with the other. Mm -hmm. And so we're teaching these four couples, you know, with two weeks to do it. And I wanted to get the group dances out of the way first. And then, of course, you give all this material to each couple and uh, bang, they can't even put put it together. It's so fast. Now, it's until mm. you get into the room and they see what the other people are dancing. Yeah. And they either pay attention and the, the threads come together mm. or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, then you try to help them. You try to help them connect the dots. Connect the dots. And if they can't hear you, then you have to do something else even more. Just so that it gets through, but so they can have the so information. It is so beautiful, like most of the works of Mr. Balanchine on whatever level they're on. Mm. I call it obvious, mm. but you have to be in a certain frame of receptivity that isn't self-oriented or it isn't, I'm in the front, you know, principal dancer, da-da-da-da-da. You have to be able to know what you're leading if you're in the front. Mm. You have to be able to be part of the whole, or it, I would say, in all of his pieces. Yeah. So that's that's a amateur outlook. Yeah. And that should come naturally to any performing artist. Any actor has to know what what the what role they're playing. Yeah. What they are the instrument for, and it's not a megaphone for self. But. To- but to know your your part of the whole to contribute what is required of that role and how that's then in conversation with the other you can performers. even put it into a quartet. You see, if if somebody's screaming over the it's other exactly. and not blending it's, their voices, it's the same as the orchestra. Mm-hmm. They, they have to work together. Mm-hmm. It's the same, and it's a very beautiful thing that mm. can. Mm-hmm. You see, there's more power in a group than there is in one person. And if 
if everyone in the group is is doing the same focus, then it can go much higher than you could take it by yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the key, mm-hmm. I think. And there's no way that when they first learn it, when a dancer first learns a huge part, they don't have all the information yet. Right. So, right. you know, they they acquire it and then they perform it, and it's a kind of growing so, experience, isn't it? And they add it? more layers yes, each time. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you all were then able to dance the role for some time. Yes. As how did you feel you grew yeah. as artists through working on this ballet? And indeed, were there any moments where you felt there was something you'd learned through Liebesleader or developed through Liebesleader that you were then able to use even mm-hmm. in other repertory mm-hmm. that you were performing? I think... I, uh, <laughs> go, go, honey. <laughs> I think... Um, there was a lot of knowledge coming from performing it mm. because you know you know how it is you're on this great stage that we have here and there's input from the audience mm. there's a huge energy out there mm. and you have to reach all of that energy it pulls that from you and so you get bigger and bigger as you perform it you learn how to do that mm. for me that second movement uh, that whole little section there really taught me a lot about that. And mm-hmm. I mean, I was already a principal, but it taught me more about about that and how you could reach, what is it, 2,500 people or seats or yeah, whatever yeah. it is. You know, and, that's and amazing. I also think that wow. the audience mm-hmm. feeds the artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a mutual feast. <laughs> yeah, the, it, for it's sure. It's a total interaction, but mm-hmm. you you can't, maneuver it, it just happens mm. if you're in the right mm. place. Mm-hmm. So it helped you mm-hmm. cultivate that mm, definitely awareness and dialogue with the yeah. energy of the audience. Mm. That's amazing. It, I, felt, I felt that. <coughs> yeah. yeah. One of my very favorite moments was when the ladies get up off the chairs where they're doing this beautiful Swaying. Swaying. focusing the sway. on the, yeah. the music, you know, mm-hmm. back to the soiree idea. For mm-hmm. And then one at a time, the couple gets up and sort of does a step that's indicative of them. And we go back to the repeat. Actually, it starts before that. It's when the men come in and the ladies do the thing and everybody does the grapevine together. Mm-hmm. It was not a ceremony, but yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, a neighborhood neighborhood get together yeah that that elevated to this beautiful height and then you go back and uh, yeah. one at a time joining in from the cross and yeah gorgeous that is a stunning moment it's stunning almost like moment. the matisse like the dance painting when the people oh, are indeed. linked together indeed. and they oh. make the grapevine oh, but you're yes. right it does feel very <laughs> ceremonial yeah that mm-hmm. in did the you circle. I never did it, oh. but I just loved watching it oh, and you couldn't get enough of watching it. I think yeah. it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. One of the last questions I had for both of you is I mean, Liebesleader is part of the repertory that you all now stage on behalf of the Balanchine Trust when you go to different companies. Mm-hmm. And in those stagings, what do you seek to convey from your work with Balanchine to new generations <laughs> of dancers? Mm-hmm. Somehow it always comes out that his favorite dancer was Fred Astaire, and that doing <laughs> see part part of part of the thing is it's not what people think a ballet is, hmm. and yet it is totally. So I think anyone who gets into it finally figures out that it's an honor to be there, but um, it's certainly not what people Mm. consider classical ballet. So you have to Mm. convey to them that, Mm -hmm. I don't know, dance is 
is dance and, and ballet is not just this. It's not, not just not just, or lines. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's not by a dare just. Mm-hmm. Right, all those it, forms of classical and, ballet. And of course, those mm-hmm. are absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful as well, but Balanchine took a niche of an idea and expanded it into a creation that's whole. So that, that's part of what you have to confront some people with. The ballet technique in the second part is very difficult, yeah. and it demands ballet technique, but it's not about that. Mm. I think when we're traveling, you know, we've done violin concerto, Stravinsky violin concerto quite a bit, and I think we're always trying to convey what we understood. It's it's only our understanding mm. of what the intent of the ballet was, mm. and we know that for Mr. B, the intent was married to the music. Mm. And how how are you going to do that? You know, how are you going to, when are you going to do big? When are you going to do small? What kind of force are you going to use mm. to do that solo or do that pas de deux where we are really expressing the music as he, the consummate musician, mm-hmm. which was what made him unique, mm-hmm. you know, what, what he really wanted from that. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing that we get, we get to do that. You know, it's, it's wonderful. It's I think beautiful. teaching any ballet, mm-hmm. uh, no matter who the choreographer is, you have to rely on the body of the ballet to realize that they're just one part of it. Yeah. And that the whole thing is what's important. Now, of course, every part has its function, but you can't sing out of tune if you're in a choir. That's right. You're part of it all. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's the big picture. And, and many times you don't have to say anything because it's mm-hmm. part of the ethic. Mm. But often mm-hmm. y- you run into all sorts of egos. Mm-hmm. And p- performing artists have to have egos for sure. Yeah. And it's how to shepherd them to fulfill the design. But mm. the biggest part of learning is <laughs> to lose job. yourself <laughs> mm-hmm. to, in order to become mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what, a hard thing for a lot of people to even comprehend, beginning to do. But once they get it, it's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's part of your task as repetitors is to yes, invite sometimes. them and guide them in, through that process. And, and Any teacher, right? Yeah, exactly, the teacher. And it even starts in the classroom, I would think. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And most of the time, they're so grateful. I mean, mm. they're just so grateful, you know, and the cards they write to us, you know, thank you and this is this they're always their eyes get open when they when they get to do a balancing ballet and that's what yeah. i was going to say it's Silas, really great mostly yeah. mostly it's just the experience mm-hmm. of being in balancing mm-hmm. and uh, of course we all know what that's like yeah, totally amazing yeah. i mean i had to find this man when i first saw serenade yeah as a young dancer in utah or person i didn't even, yeah it was like okay where did that come from? I want to be I part of it. <laughs> well, well, I would just say kind of in conclusion that I am so happy that both of you found Mr. B <laughs> and that he saw the unique and extraordinary artist that both yeah, of you are and he you. gave you such wonderful gifts that you're now passing on to new dancers and we thank you thank for you giving too. us such great insight in this it's session today. Wonderful to thank be a you. part of it. Thanks, Silas. Of course, thank you. I'd like to conclude this episode with a remembrance written after Balanchine's passing by two of his close friends, the musical and life partners Arthur Gold and Robert Fisdale. Their words about Balanchine are perhaps most vividly displayed in Liebeslieder Walzer. They wrote, 
Diffident as he was in private life, in his ballets he shared his daydreams, his joys, his troubled loves, his fears, his instinct for elegance and order, and his passion for youth with those who admired his work. He has been a poet for poets, a musician for musicians, and a dramatist for everyone who wishes to understand the human heart. To learn more about Balanchine, Brahms, Goethe, Daumer, Liebeslieder Walzer, and the artists and performers discussed in this episode, please consult the reading list that can be found in the notes for this podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll join me again to hear the dance.